Thank you for joining episode 29 of Heart of the Bookkeeper, a podcast dedicated to capturing the stories, challenges and heartfelt moments in the lives of people doing incredible deeds across Australia every day. These people are in the often forgotten world of bookkeepers and bookkeeping, and yet their actions each day in keeping the heartland of small to medium business, community groups, not-for-profits and so much more simply going and operational is of superhero stuff at times. My name is Rob Marshall and I have been in that bookkeeping world for over 25 years now and marvel daily at those around me who also proudly call themselves professional bookkeepers. One of those that I have admired for some time now is Pamela Taylor, based in Perth, Western Australia. Pam is the founder and owner of Green Space Books and is a multi-award winning bookkeeper who has had to overcome some major challenges and biases at time simply to get where she is today. Dealing with being the only female in leadership at a large accounting firm, managing the pressures of being a working mum to small children and having to leave a previous firm in well, shall we call it difficult circumstances and start again are all covered in what's ahead of us in this episode, plus a lot more. Pam is very humble, but he's also very proud to be called a professional bookkeeper. Let's settle back and hear the journey in bookkeeping and in life more generally of Pamela Taylor. Our guest today on Heart of the Bookkeeper is an award-winning bookkeeper. She's a very, very proud West Australian, so we're going to call that right out from the start. But most importantly, we're going to tap into the heart of a a bookkeeper who's really going places. She's still young in the marketplace as well, I'll call out. Her name is Pam Taylor. Great to have you joining us on Heart of the Bookkeeper, Pam. Thanks, Rob. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you this afternoon. So right from the start, I I do ask this of my guests a lot. Um, You are currently, as we speak, in Perth in Western Australia. Is is Perth always been home? Perth has always been home. WA born and bred and bloody proud of it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, okay. I can just hear all our Eastern State uh, listeners going, oh, yeah, come on, Rob, move on from the (laughs) WA bit. But growing up in Perth, uh, let's go with the the back end of the 80s and the uh, more the 90s growing up. What are some of the things, what are the memories of, of growing up in Perth during that time that sort of, you know, I think we all reflect on from time to time. We all go back to and go, you know, uh, some of those were probably the best of our days. What do you remember about growing up in Perth in the 1980s and 90s? Yeah, Rob, um, good question. Um, you know, as I said, as a young kid, um, really faced some adversity um, quite young. Um, when I was only three years old, my father actually broke his back uh, in a motorcycle accident. Um, so my younger years was spent hanging around hospital wards um, whilst dad was um, going through rehab and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, early childhood was pretty tough. Um, having much older brothers, it probably hit them a lot more than it did me. Um, but... Yeah, just remember roaming around the the hospital with my brothers and eating a lot of candy and and that kind of stuff. Um, Unfortunately, my parents' marriage failed 
when I was about eight. Um, so for a lot of my childhood, it was just myself and my mum um, who became my best friend and my whole world um, throughout my youth. Um, a lot of summers were spent down at Mylup Beach, just down near where you are. So a lot of fun times, great memories, had a caravan on site. So a lot of sun and sand and surf. Um, but yeah, really, realistically, we were your typical Aussie battler family, um, single mum, you know, one income, um, grew up in, in the tough streets of Gosnell. So um, did, it, did it pretty tough as, as a kid, Rob. So dad, George, um, still with us. And I know that you, uh, in a little part of uh, a questionnaire that I send out, uh, uh, sort of rate him as, as one of your inspirations and, and certainly somebody who has had a significant influence in your life. Do you remember the accident? You know, obviously it was pretty traumatic and was there moments there where maybe dad may have not made it perhaps? Um, I don't remember that. Um, I remember the day of the accident. We um, used to have a family shack up at Durian Bay. Um, I'd actually been on dad's um, three-wheeler motorbike just about 30 minutes beforehand um, and then my dad and my uncle went off, um, you know, as as men do and had some fun and unfortunately they'd been up this one particular sand dune the day before and a big storm had rolled through overnight and the sand dune had washed away for all intents and purposes and the bike came down. Um, it's probably my earliest memory, Rob, being being three. You don't remember much before that, but I do yeah. remember standing there at the uh, Royal Fly- Flying Doctors outpost and watching, you know, mum and dad take off in the aeroplane and the, the good old famous jelly tip ice creams getting bought one of those by my auntie and uncle. So, yeah, that that's probably... My earliest memory, it was pretty traumatic for, yeah. for my parents, probably more so than me and then my brothers. And like I said, lots of time with my brothers um, being driven around by my 17-year-old brother in, and him on his pee plates. Um, and the next memory I have is them taking me to the hospital when he'd forgotten to strap me into the car and falling out and, and grazing all down my face and my stomach. And, oh, no. Um, so, yeah, big shout-out to my brother there for taking awesome care of me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Dad's still with us. Um, he doesn't live far from my office. He, you quite often will see him zooming past with his, in his wheelchair with his little, as my boys call it, his motorcycle wheel on the front of it. Um, you know, he's been in the chair for, oh, gosh, how old am I now? 42, so 39 years. So, um, you know, the shoulders are starting to deteriorate. He's in his 70s now. Not that you'd, you'd think that when you meet him, but, you know, he doesn't let anything stop him. What an amazing thing that he was able to, you know, get back, albeit in a chair and has gone on to, well, I'll call it, raise a, a, a great daughter and I can't talk for the brother that, you know, cause you to fall out of the car, but I'm sure he's going all right as well. Um, and well, shout out to your dad, George. I hope he's listening into his daughter's uh, podcast here because I can see how much uh, love that uh, you have for, for him and what he's been able to do for you in your life. When you sort of look back on your schooling years in particular, going through Gosnells. Now, we've mentioned a couple of terms, a couple of places here. First one was Mile Up. So for listeners tuning in, if you don't know, if you ever come to Western Australia and you land in Perth and you head south to Bunbury, where I'm based, you'll go past this absolutely amazing little beach. It's got about, 
oh, less than less than 500 people in it, I'm guessing. Somebody will correct me on that later. But it's just this hidden gem of Australia and it's called Mile Up Beach, M-Y-A-L-U-P. You need to call in there and anybody who follows me on Facebook and sees my bucket full of magnificent yellowfin whiting every summer, that's where I'm catching them. They are absolutely prolific at Mile Up. So you've already made a great uh, call out there, Pam, as to a place to go. You also referenced Gosnells. Now, Gosnells... um, Blessed Gosnells isn't probably one of the, let's call it upmarket uh, suburbs of, of Perth. Was it was it tough schooling in Gosnells growing up? Did you, you know, was it the school of hard knocks or do you have some good memories there as well? Rob, I have to tell you that I've got some good memories. Um, my, my darling husband and I actually met way back in year nine in high school. So oh, wow. that would have been about 1994. Um, so I can't say it was all bad. Um, you know, we've, we've been together through thick and thin and um, I remember him starting in, in year nine and I just, you know, instantly knew that he was going to be a keeper. <laughs> That's not to say we were together for all that long in high school, but we certainly have been together for many years now. Um, so, look, it, it was like, it was a low socioeconomic area, you know, it had its problems. It, it did have a, probably a worse reputation when my brothers were going through than when I went through and it's certainly undergone a lot of identity changes in more recent years. It's actually now called Southern River College rather than Gozzy High. Um, but I've, I've got great memories. Um, you know, our boy's godfather went right through high school with us. My cousin was at school with me. I had some amazing friends. And, and you know, with the power of Facebook, as we all do, I'm still in touch with one. In fact, we had Halloween yesterday and a, a lady that I went to high school with knocked on my front door with her grandchildren, would you believe, Rob? Um, so that was that was sort of a bit like funny. I was like, holy cow, I nearly swore then, Rob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got grandkids and my kids are still in, in high school. So it's just, it, it is interesting. And and it was what you made of it. I was a, I was a pretty quiet kid in high school. Um, wasn't certainly wasn't one of the popular kids. <laughs> so Jeff is the man we're talking about here that you met in year nine. Was it love at first sight, and was that from both angles, or was there a little bit of work, a little bit of uh, sort of, you know, sort of moments where there was a bit of uh, you know getting into dance moves, sort of thing. I don't know if you call from Jeff's side love at first sight, unless you call him throwing apples at my head to get attention. Love at first sight, Rob. <laughs> um, yeah, certainly I, I think there was a, an attraction straight away and then obviously travelling through. I remember Year 12, well, they call it ATAR maths now, but it was called something else um, when we were in high school. Um sitting behind him and, and throwing my eraser at the back of his head to get his attention. And um, I was a Hungry Jack's drive through girl for most of my high schooling and he used <laughs> to come down and sell papers on a Saturday night until 1 o'clock in the morning just so he could hang out with me. Uh, in fact, we shared our very first kiss in the Hungry Jack's restaurant um, as I was on break on, on a Saturday night. So... Um, yeah, certainly, certainly been together and, and had those feelings for a long time. And as many of us do, we drift apart after high school. And again, a, another reference to a, a well-known 
WAI icon. I'm not sure if it's still um, operating, but the the good old hippie club in Leaderville. Um, we met back up at a friend's 18th birthday, and he developed a, a love for the gym and a personal training um, qualification that saw him with a going back to the late 90s, the blonde frosted tips in his hair and the six-pack and, um, (laughs) yeah, they'll say the rest is history. I remember without, you know, giving too much away because I've got teenagers so I don't want to give them too much uh, um, thoughts to have. Yeah, 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 Um, that's right. (laughs) Sitting in the Gosnells Civic Centre car park in the middle of the night, in the middle of winter at about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with the windows fogged up. No, Mr. Marshall, we weren't doing that. Um, but the police, talking. yeah, talking, police knocking on the window to check that I was okay. So, um, and we've been pretty much together since since then. So, yeah, no, we, we're clearly a family orientated podcast here. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work with that. And I, I've just got, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw out the challenge now to our listeners into this podcast. You know, think back on perhaps when when was your first kiss and I'm just wondering if there's anyone else that perhaps had their first kiss over a Whopper with cheese. I'm, I'm just going, <laughs> that, 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 that one got me sort of off guard. I'm hoping you went minus onion. I'm just <laughs> going to call that one out. But <laughs> I was a real I, chicken girl, Mr. Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, I, you know, you've already got me thinking my uh, my first moments, my, when I first saw Jackie, my wife, um, at a, a youth event, um, she clearly didn't see me, but I saw her. And uh, from that point onwards, there was uh, always that opportunity wherever it was to engage. And it happened to be at an event uh, growing up in Harvey. The men and young men of Harvey would throw an event every Mother's Day where the women of Harvey would be invited to the local community hall and the men of Harvey would serve them. They would cook and weight on them. So I was one of the waiters dressed up in the black suit and the black tie and I engineered it to make sure I was on the table that Jackie was sitting at and that's that was where I first got to uh, engage with her because I whispered to her as I was about to give her her soup that unless she agreed to going out with me after this event, I would accidentally tip some of the soup down her back. So that that's surely got romance written all over it. Uh, we reflect on that one and go, maybe I'd, I had a better line than that one that I could have gone with, but it worked. You know, we're married now. So for you and Jeff, we've been married now for thirty plus years. So it's clearly, the soup the soup line did work. For you and Jeff, how long has it been now? For eighteen years, is it? It was eighteen Marriage? years on Sunday, just passed. Wow, yep. wow, that's that's a significant. Uh, thing in anyone's terms these days, your kids, Dylan, 16, and, and Mitchell, 14, uh, obviously bring a lot of joy in, in your life as, as as kids can do and challenges, I'm guessing. Absolutely. We are truly blessed with both our boys, um, you know, very much following in mum and dad's footsteps. Both have their part-time jobs. Um, Mitchell's got an absolute love of basketball. Dylan's a, an aspiring high school maths teacher. Um, but, you know, I think I've shared with you, Rob, uh, they've both been doing, you know, business courses through high school and it, and it's it's really great to see them engage in, in what we do. Um, we haven't sort of bought into the fact that Jeff now is a bookkeeper and works with me at Greenspace. So um, he was a transit officer for nearly 
16 years and, and needed a change in, you know, what it's like to find good quality bookkeepers these days, Rob, and, and, and staff and as you grow and you scale up and, and Jeff came in and he's really taken to it like a duck to water and I, we couldn't do what we do now without without him in the business. So um, it's really it's such a pleasure to see the boys engaging in it as well. Yeah, I don't think we've had anybody on the podcast yet that is a husband and wife team working together in bookkeeping. I, I, I'm thinking of um, the Carters that I interviewed that are in England that uh, effectively built the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers over there. Um, but that is a, a very unique thing in our space for husband and wife to be working in the business. Um, there were a number of challenges along the way for you and certainly we've we've heard from so many of our previous guests on Heart of the Bookkeeper that, you know, the road to, if you want to call it, some form of success in bookkeeping can be can be challenging and can have its uh, rocky pathways. I know that you, uh, I'm guessing beyond Hungry Jacks, uh, started to move into the space that, you know, effectively has led you to bookkeeping. Do you want to unpack a little bit about, about that beyond uh, beyond Hungry Jacks? Yeah, absolutely, Rob. So after school, like many of us, um, especially I think from where I came from, um, you know, maybe university and, and those kind of tertiary um, options weren't necessarily pushed upon us or presented to us in the ways that I see it being presented to my children. Um, so basically straight out of high school, went in to a furniture manufacturing company as the junior receptionist pre-GST, so just before, so I'm talking like 1999, had been there for about three weeks. There was a office manager who perhaps wasn't performing to the best of their abilities. So within three weeks, I went from being junior receptionist to office manager, just as we were starting to do the uh, whole transition from an old DOS-based account system to MYOB with GST coming in and and was really thrust into it with the accountants here in Perth and really had no idea what I was doing. Like, what is this? What are are debits and credits and what is a balance sheet and what are you asking me to do? But um, fortunately for me, um, the business owner really believed in me, sent me off to a manual bookkeeping course, you know, learning the T journals and my debits and my credits and how to read a balance sheet and a profit and loss and how to do a set of manual accounts. And the accountants were really great. Obviously, they were learning MYB. They were learning what this software was and um, we implemented MYB and and basically the rest is history. I'm not going to say it wasn't without errors in the beginning, Rob. I'm sure there was many. I'm sure the accountants were probably tearing their head at, hair out. Um, but, yeah, it was it was an amazing opportunity to get in at, at the ground level and, and really learn from there. So we're talking 18, you were, or 18 or 19 or that, thereabouts? Yeah, 18. Wow. Well, we've had many conversations with many people on, on Heart of the Bookkeeper who probably didn't, sort of get to that stage or that maturity until well into their 30s or perhaps even into their 40s. So certainly an early start for you at a time that we've discussed with many of our previous people that we have spoken to on Heart of the Bookkeeper. 
of massive change. Um, change seems to be the constant for bookkeepers all the time, but if you go back to the late 90s and early 2000s, it was very confronting, very, very confronting, not just from the perspective of the introduction of probably the biggest change in Australian financial history with the GST, but also, as you called out, computers were really just trying to find their way. You know, DOS went to Windows and Windows started to evolve in different directions and there were some pretty ordinary versions of Windows in the early days uh, just quietly. I think one called ME or Millennium is one that comes to mind that uh, clearly uh, Bill Gates still wakes up screaming about in the middle of the night. Um, so there was there was lots of challenges and to be thrust into that as an 18, 19, 20-year-old to to be able to work with that. I guess my question is how, how did that how did that work with those around you? you? You being so young, were there, you know, perhaps some challenges with some some older colleagues, you might say? Yeah, Rob, I, I think I've I've faced this throughout my career um, pretty much, with the exception of um, I need to give her a shout out, Rakaya from Timely Bookkeeping, who is my sister-in-law, mm-hmm. um, who I did join uh, in her practice for gosh, I actually can't remember, might have been 18 months, two years, which we can touch on. But certainly as a female and a young female, I have always sort of had to face the the challenge of older colleagues, um, what do you know, you're, you're just a young kid, to, um, you know, also what do you know, you're a bookkeeper, so from some of my former colleagues that are accountants, oh, you're just the bookkeeper, to what do you know, you're just a female. So I remember famously sitting down with an ex-colleague of mine um, and I just turned around and I said, I'm just sick of the constant, you know, battle. I, I constantly get held to a different standard and have to prove myself all the time. Like I don't see you. It was a a, a group of seven male accounting directors, I was the only female director and I was just held to such a different standard. And he, he turned to me and he went, Pam, you're a trailblazer. You're forging the path for the other females to follow in your footsteps. And I said, but I'm tired. I don't want to have to keep doing this. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly been something that I've been up against. I've... Um, relied on my family a lot to help me get through that. Um, Jeff has always been a, an, as, an absolute champion when it comes to being my biggest supporter and my biggest cheerleader. But, yeah, it, it's, it's been tough. You, you mentioned that, um, you know, you had to get those around you to support you and obviously that person who called you out as a trailblazer was in some ways trying to support you or inspire you. You know, now, if you fast forward to now, do you see the importance of that? I know at the ICB we talk a lot about nurturing talent coming through. Do you, do you kind of like lean on that now and go, that's something that you want to ensure that you can give back to perhaps? Yeah, absolutely, Rob. I think, um, you know, that particular person had an impact in my life and that impact actually turned out to be quite a negative impact. Um, During that period, uh, Jeff and I weren't seeing each other all that much. Um, He was, as I said before, he was a transit officer, so he was working a lot of shift work. 
I was putting in a lot of hours. So, you know, it wasn't unlike me to work a a 70 hour week. And I was always with that male colleague and it developed into what can only be best described as a emotional affair, Rob, um, which blew up my whole world, Um, you know, which we can talk about how I ended up at Greenspace. But basically, in effect, that, that seven group of same directors rallied around the male director and I, in effect, got frog marched from the building because his wife had found out that he had feelings for me and wanted me gone. Right, yeah. So uh, I guess calling out that uh, mentorship can also go the other way if not handled appropriately and done the right way. So both sides of the coin um, from a from just going back to the the nurturing question though you, you now find yourself in a business where you are influencing others so you, yes. that experience clearly you know you lean on to to go it's like it can be positive or negative and clearly yours was negative in yep. some ways yep. uh, and in many ways um, you want to expand on that perhaps yeah so I'm I'm always very mindful um, in not only mentoring in the bookkeeping world, but also, um, you know, outside of the bookkeeping world, especially with young females that are looking to or aspiring to to make a future for themselves in, in whatever they're choosing, yeah. that they're getting the support from the right people and, you know, um, I, I have their eyes wide open. I was probably a little naive myself, Rob, and I really want to make sure that, you know, People do have the support and it's coming from a genuine place. You know, I'm not saying for any, at any point that I was innocent, you know, it takes two to develop feelings. But I think if I'd had other people that I could have lent on rather than just one person, it would have been a different outcome and, and potentially, you know, it it wouldn't have gone down that track. So definitely looking to to inspire not only my own team but others in the industry is certainly something that I look to do. As a ICB board director, we often talk about the next generation of bookkeepers and where they're coming from and yeah. you know that I'm very passionate about yes. looking at that, looking at ways we can encourage people into the industry, how we can make it appealing. I mean, I love what we do but you ask the average do blow, what does a bookkeeper do? Most people don't understand it. So it's making sure we, we shout it from the rooftops that, hey, we are an integral part of business in Australia and what we do is so rewarding. That's a great call and, and I probably, from that negative scenario that unfolded for you, which was, again, clearly very distressing for you to, to have that, especially after you've invested so much time, energy and passion into something, as, as I know you would have, um, how did you rebuild after that? What happened after that that has led you now to, to Green Space Books, winning awards, employing people? Give us a little bit of an insight into that. Yeah, Rob, I think the, the first thing that I need to say is um, I had to develop a belief in myself. So whilst that person was a, a great support and, and it, it started off as a great mentorship role and, you know, as I've said, it, it, two to tango, it's just as much my fault as theirs. Perhaps there could have been done more to protect me on the way up. But anyway, um, what did it look like? It looked like a heck of a lot of heartbreak, a devastation to my family, um, 
rebuilding trust within my own marriage, rebuilding trust within my own friendship group, but really rebuilding trust in myself and a belief in myself. So most bookkeepers that I speak to have a real, they feel like imposters. For some reason, we all suffer from an imposter syndrome and I I don't understand why. I, I can't tell you why I do it. But for me, I didn't believe and, you know, that particular firm, we were a, a million-dollar bookkeeping practice that we'd built up over the four and a half years that I'd been there. And I kept doubting that I could do it myself. So, you know, for the first 12 months, it was rebuilding my relationship. So I went and worked in a couple of different bookkeeping businesses to really find myself again, to centre myself, to ground myself And what I saw happening again, Rob, was I was building this fantastic bookkeeping businesses up for somebody else. And I went, hang on a second, why am I doing this? Um, I had a fantastic assistant working with me at the time and she perhaps was a little more unhappy at that firm than I was and she sort of had alluded that she was going to leave. At that point I was like, well, I don't want to work without you. Like I need to work with you. We're a great team. So I said, well, how about I go and start a bookkeeping business and we build it up that you can come across. And that was in April of 2021, we started Green Space. And at that point, it was just myself and um, my colleague came on board probably about a month later, um, started off in part-time. And Throughout my journey, um, I've been able to build, successfully build an offshore team. So I had a lot of my offshore team members going, Pam, we want to work with you again. And I had taken them from the million dollar firm to the smaller firm. And then they were like, well, we, when you've built green space, we'd like to bring you some, some more. We would like to bring our services across to you. Um, and we've been, you know, slowly but surely building over the last two and a half years. Um, In 2021, I was fortunate to win the MYB Bookkeeper of the Year Award in 2021 during COVID, um, which blew me away because we'd only been in business for about six months at that time. Um, But now we're a team of 10. Um, We do a lot of different service offerings. So I really, really want to get the bookkeeper accountant barrier that we seem to have broken down. So I work with a lot of accounting firms that potentially want to be offering um, bookkeeping services out to their clients, but don't have the capacity or skill set in their existing team. So we, that's a big part of our business. Um, You know, we're working with four or five different accounting firms and we white label a lot of our services. So we actually present ourselves as their brand. So, and that, you know, there needs to be a lot of trust there because they've worked for years to build up their brand and their business that, you know, they've got to be able to trust in what we do when we're representing their business. You mentioned uh, winning Bookkeeper of the Year in 2021. Like you say, incredibly after only branching out on your own for such a short period of time, it culminated, I would think, uh, as much as we love individual awards, there's nothing better than than a team being recognised. Uh, do you want to do a shout out for the team and, and the award that's just landed on your desk pretty much in, in late October of 2023? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that one too? Yeah, so in April, I think of 20, 
what are we, 2023? Um, <laughs> my NYB partner manager reached out to me and said, I think, you know, what you and the team are doing is absolutely fantastic in the, the bookkeeping space. Um, I'd really love for you to nominate, um, as you know, NYB Partner of the Year Awards, you can self-nominate, which I didn't do. <laughs> um, Alicia, my NYB partner manager, actually nominated Green Space Bookkeeping as Bookkeeping Practice of the Year. And right on the final day of submissions, I submitted all the supporting documents and, and did the, the spiel that we need to do. But really for me it was about getting the team, the recognition. A lot of these girls have been with me since 2018, which is a long time, um, especially with an offshore team. I'm not sure, Rob, if you've got offshore team members yourself, but to build up the trust and the rapport with offshore team takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and, and a lot of input from them as well. They need to be committed. So for me, it was about getting, you know, shy, sherry, gang, Jeff, Hazel, Erica, Kennedy, and I've forgotten something, Jennifer, the recognition that they deserve because without them, Rob, I couldn't do what I do. Um, they are the driving force bit behind. They are what keep me going. You know, on a bad day, I sit there and I, I reflect and I'm like, I'm not doing this for me anymore. Um, yes, I'm doing it for the team, but ultimately I'm also doing it for the clients that we work with and the accountants that we work with. So... Yeah, just building up a great team that have the same vision um, that I do and that is to deliver, you know, great service to our clients and help them achieve their dreams. Oh, I'm really glad that the award-winning space is now really embracing teams. For a long time there, it was only about predominantly individuals. It takes uh, a lot to build a business and, uh, I, you know, when I reflect on my own journey, I did get a lot of individual awards myself, but I knew and I would try to call it out as loud as I could that there was no way on the planet I could have achieved what I did individually without those behind me, some who are still with me and uh, they deserve the credit as much, if not in some cases more. Would you, now you've been through the experience, would you encourage those listening in, you know, especially in the bookkeeping community who are running practices or whatever, to engage with the, the award processes that are definitely flowing a lot more now? We're out the other side of COVID, in inverted brackets. Yeah, definitely, Rob. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's always lovely to be validated by your peers. So to get that validation of, hey, you are doing a great job, but also the recognition to your team, um, as you've said, in your own team and certainly within my own team, it's about them understanding that this is more than just me, this is us. Um, sorry. The process is smooth. The The sheer joy when the team saw the announcement, I had told the team that we were going to, so the, uh, the finalists had been announced and we were down to four in the top four and then I'd actually got a phone call Bless Leanne Berry at, well, she messaged me at about 5am telling me to wake up because I think at that point she was in Geneva. Um, <laughs> she's like, Pam, wake up. I need to talk to, you, talk to you about something. And I was like, I knew she was overseas and I was hoping that everything was okay because, in all honesty, Rob, being that we, we'd won an award in 2021, I really didn't think we'd, we'd have much shot in 2023, but we have really grown as a team 
So, you know, it sort of stands to reason. But um, I rang Leanne. I'm like, Leanne, do you have any idea what time it is? And are you okay? And she's like, yep, it's about midnight where I am, Pam, and I've been waiting for you to wake up. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, Green Space Bookkeeping is Bookkeeping Practice of the Year 2023. Um, so it was, it was lovely, but to sit on that for about 24 hours. So I sort of said to the team, knowing that MYB were doing the announcement at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Saving Time, which is 7 a.m. our time, I'd sort of organised for everybody to start early so we could watch it together. But unbeknownst to me, MYB actually put it on their website at about 6.30 a.m. and one of my team members found it. So, but to sit down with them and watch the announcement um, and to see how proud they were to be a part of it um, is just, you know, money yeah. can't buy that kind of happiness. Green Space Books, uh, you've mentioned uh, are really innovating in a number of different ways, especially trying to, to get that, you know, that um, connection between bookkeeper and accountant well and truly established. You've gone beyond that personally also with your let's call it putting up of your hand to nominate as a director of the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about why you've done that? Does that tap back into the the deep-rooted passion that you have not only for your own business and for your own business to succeed, which hopefully we would all put an emphasis on and I know you do, but, but why put your hand up for something such as the directorship of the ICB? Yeah, Rob, I think... Um for me upon reflection and, you know, obviously I'm coming up nearly three years as an ICB board director and I'm involved in a couple of the other advisory committees um, to ICB. It's about giving back to the bookkeeping community and sharing my knowledge and my experience with the greater community of, of bookkeepers in Australia and and really wanting to help those starting in the industry, but maybe those that have been in the industry for a while and not quite sure how to take the next step to maybe they want to expand or they want to branch into a different service offering. Um, but to try and just give back, Rob, it's about giving back to to our community and to our members um, and bringing a, a, a different thought process. I mean, we all of our board members come from a different walks of life and obviously different regions within Australia and have different challenges that they've come across and experienced and it's at, and it's bringing, you know, my life experience to the board and giving other members that I know that have had similar journeys a, a voice um, in what we do as ICB. And, you know, I can assure the listeners I'm witness to how Pam uh, operates in the boardroom and she is very passionate and is very clear and uh, doesn't mind challenging, which you you need to be willing to do if you're a a board member at any level on any organisation, challenge in in an appropriate way. And and I've absolutely been witness to that and uh, have enjoyed seeing you you certainly mature in that role and, and, and hopefully continue to do that into the future if you're prepared to. We've, we've all got a lot that we want to give back. And like you say, I think one of the, the good things is that each person, each individual at the moment is bringing a slightly different, you know, a, not, not an approach, but certainly a perspective on and what needs to be done. And yet it collaborates all together beautifully. When, uh, when you're not at Green Space, 
and I'm hoping that it's not 17 hours a day anymore. But uh, when you're not at green space, what's uh, what are your passions? I, I, I'm going to call one out straight away because I've got no idea what it is, so you're going to have to explain to the uneducated here. I know that you love Reformer Pilates. What is Reformer Pilates? I, I'm, I'm not even really sure what Pilates is, to be honest with you. So tell, tell me, educate me and the audience. So Pilates is um, a lot of core strength exercising. So you've got your mat Pilates, which is obviously on a on a yoga mat on the floor and you're doing a lot of stretching and core exercises, which, you know, some people would akin it to yoga, but it's a lot more strenuous than that. Reformer Pilates is you're basically on a bed and you've got resistance bands that help you build up those muscle strengths and it is quite challenging. But for me, it's my time out. It's my time away from being... Pam the bookkeeper, Pam the business owner, Pam the mum, Pam the treasurer of the kids' junior basketball club, um, Pam the ICB board director, Pam Jeff's wife, Pam the daughter, all those things that Pam has to be that, you know, reformer Pilates, going to the gym is, is my time. It's my time to just switch, switch off um, and enjoy not having to think for somebody else. Fantastic. I'm already going, where do I sign up? Because the thing that gets me out of bed on a Sunday morning after a game of cricket on Saturday is called a crane. Um, that's, that's the only thing that can get me out of bed or, or a, uh, some sort of shovel to lift, lift me up and get me going. So uh, I'm signing up for Pilates, I reckon. I may have done it now that you mention it. I think I have done done a bit of a journey on Pilates back in the day. Um, but uh, it sounds like and the most important serious call out there is, of course, the importance to have some you time outside of the bookkeeping world. And we've got so many of our listeners listening in right now who are doing long hours. They're doing incredibly long hours and... Uh, I can attest to what you've just called out and that is that huge importance to try and find some time for you. People start, say to me, why do you still play cricket, Rob, at this age? Well, to be honest with you, it's not because I'm really that any good anymore, but it's just it just does get me away from uh, being in the office because there's a good chance I'd probably be there. Um, and I, I love the fact that now I can... It, expand on that in a different way through my kids and you know, our grandson as well who loves his loves balls and playing with that sort of thing uh, it just helps me to switch off so I'm glad that you've you've found your uh, mojo you also I'm referenced at the top of this episode that you have a super love for Teddy and Lily tell us about Teddy and Lily so Teddy and Lily have crashed many a board meeting since I've had them they have. <laughs> Um, so Lily, Lily was really, um, integral for me to, to move past and to build my confidence again. So we got Lily in January of 2021 and life had been pretty tough for about 18 months, you know? Um, so for me, it was, she just brought a love, um, to me and to my family and anybody who's got a dog knows that a dog's love is unconditional. Um, they love you, they're there for you, you can talk to them, you can cry on them, you can hug them, you can walk them, you can play with them. They keep coming back and they love you. 
<laughs> and then Teddy came into our lives because I had a beautiful old doggy called Samson. Now, Samson was a wedding present from Jeff um, just after we got married, um, had our honeymoon in Bali, and he, he bought me this beautiful puppy, um, Samson. In June of 2022, we went to Bali and um, our dogs always go to poppies. So shout out to George, our dogs go to poppies um, and puppy, uh, poppy looks after the dogs um, while we're away. On your poppy. Um, and he rang me while I was in Bali and my dad has struggled with his mental health, obviously being in a chair for such a long time, it would have an impact. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm really enjoying having Samson around. Um, can I keep him? And... I was Ooh, big call. <laughs> I was somewhat <laughs> shocked, but um, I knew that it was good for dad. The company was good for dad, um, so I said yes, which led me to looking for puppies um, whilst <laughs> in Bali. And we flew back from Bali on a Sunday afternoon. By seven o'clock, we had Teddy, um, and he's. He is he is my boy. He is super protective. He's a little Chihuahua Jack Russell Dashhound cross. Um, he is the sweetest little thing. But heaven forbid anybody tries to you know boys be boys yell in mum's general direction or you know play fight with one another where mum's anywhere near them. Teddy is ready to tear them apart. The cute little dot that he is. So. <laughs> They're just, they're like our, I was going to say, they're the children I wish I had. I do love my kids, please don't get me wrong, <laughs> but they don't answer me back. They love me <laughs> unconditionally and they don't ask me to drive them anywhere, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we've got a border collie at home that uh, doesn't ask to be driven anywhere because we struggle to even get her in the car. She's a little bit anxious of that one, so oh. we don't have any problems with that one. But, uh, yes, uh, you're right. There's nothing like, you know, I'll be heading home soon, no doubt, after this episode and to be greeted at the door by albeit a wet nose um, is, <laughs> yep. and I am referring to the Border Collie just by the way, um, <laughs> is uh, is something that I do look forward to. We're, we're going to start to wind up. The time just goes way too quick for these because I could talk to Pam Taylor forever. But we have the subsidiary ledger. Uh, for those who regularly tune in, they know what the subsidiary ledger is. It's uh, four short, sharp questions to tap into to Pam Taylor and a few things about Pam Taylor that... It might be challenging some of these, but uh, we'll see how we go. There, let's let, let's roll with uh, the first one. Okay, so you are Perth girl, born, raised, proud, love Perth. Um, listeners listening in who these days can actually fly into Western Australia if you've missed the, the memo, the borders are down. So come to Perth. Uh, we've all already mentioned Mile Up. You've got to head to Mile Up and catch some yellowfin whiting if you haven't already put that on your bucket list. But... Where's your favourite place? Where's Pam Taylor's favourite place to go in, to, in Perth just simply to relax? We, we're hitting on a theme a little bit now of, of, of uh, the importance, especially mentally, uh, of not being in the practice 24-7. Where does Pam Taylor love to go? It could be a restaurant, could be anything. Where do you go? So being a WA girl, Rob, 
anywhere by the water. If I could live on the beach, I would. Um, much to Jeff's horror and dismay because he is not a beach person. But you, you know, strolling around Swan River, Elizabeth Key, it's just such a beautiful, calming, you know, water is just so calming. Being out on the water on a boat, Fremantle, yeah, anything to do with water. <laughs> beautiful, great answer. You could, you can't really live in Western Australia and not embrace water because it's... We've got a pretty long coastline just quietly, so there's lots of it. Uh, all right, question two of the subsidiary ledger. We're going to dig a little bit deeper here, maybe even a bit younger version of Pam Taylor. A pop singer or movie star that you had a bit of a crush on back in the day. Now, I'm going to be vulnerable here and, and let the listeners know that recently I was fortunate enough to be at uh, ZeroCon in Sydney and the closing act for ZeroCon, an amazing event, was uh, Daryl Braithwaite. Now, when I was about eight or nine, we're talking late 70s here, mid to late 70s, uh, my mum, much to my dad's horror, let me grow my hair down my back just simply so I could be like Daryl. I don't know why I'm revealing this right now. And I used to stand in the mirror and just try to work out how far I could get my hair down my back and because uh, you need to go and watch an old video clip of Summer Love, uh, one of his famous songs, to see what I'm talking about. So it, well, I won't call it a crush. It was just a thing that inspired me to want to grow my hair. Now, these days I just like to have hair quietly, but what any any pop star or movie star, the pop singer or movie star that yeah, you, you're going to have to admit to you, you had a bit of a thing for back in the 80s or 90s. Okay, so for somebody I had a thing for would be Dan McPherson. So he was, when I was growing up, very big on Neighbours. Um, ah, yes. So he was the ants, pants and the bees knees. Um, <laughs> and then for, this is a bit, um, my, my children were horrified, but um, obviously we, and for those who don't know, but you will know because it was all over the national news as well, we've, we've recently had Telethon here in mm. WA, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Jimmy Barnes was the closing act. Well, definitely having brothers that are 12 and 14 years older than me, Cold Chisel was massive in my household Barnsy. growing up. Yeah. So mm. um, I didn't have a crush from him for, on him, but I certainly know every single one of his songs. Excellent. Oh, well, not too far away from uh, Daryl Braithwaite, you know, sort of similar era-ish. Uh, I must admit Daryl's not rocking the hair down the back like he used to, just quietly. But, uh, yeah, put in a pretty good performance at ZeroCon. really enjoyed it. Did not, you sing not, along to horses? I did sing along to horses. I have <laughs> to admit that. Yeah, you, you just knew horses was coming and sure enough uh, it came and I was like, I'm not singing along, I'm not singing along. But Amanda Linton, who was sitting next to me, might have nudged me and went, come on, you know. So uh, it was pretty average singing just quietly. Okay, third question. We're getting towards the end. If you weren't... A bookkeeper today, what would you be? What would you love to be if you weren't a bookkeeper? Now, I'm going to go with you'd just love to be a bookkeeper because you've got passion oozing out of you. But if you had to be something else, what might it be? Can I say a princess? A princess. Why not? Absolutely. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great answer. Uh, Why a princess? Why would you like to be a princess? I think because 
maybe my name at home has transformed from princess to duchess because I'm older now. <laughs> um, so you want to go back? Is that what you're saying? Well, a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> the movie A Princess Diaries, it just seems like a, an amazing thing. Uh, I'm sure they have pressures in their lives, but, yeah, I think it'd just be nice to be looked after and cooked for and cleaned for and, Actually, I have all of that, Rob, so. There you go. Wow. <laughs> what, what more could you ask for? Let, let's get to the last one. This polarises nations. It's not do we have uh, pineapple on pizza if those are going. You've asked that one before, Rob, because I've moved on from pineapple on pizza. Clearly you need pineapple on pizza. That's just a no-brainer. Uh, anybody who doesn't have pineapple on pizza, I'm sorry, but you're just missing out. So this one divides nations. Well, it divides a nation, let's put it that way. Very simple question, Pam Taylor, Vegemite or Promite? Vegemite, for oh, sure. No. no, 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 no. You no, no. Vegemite no. with avocado on seeded toast. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well, we might have to agree to disagree there. Uh, I'm definitely uh, the Promite guy in the house. So I've got to have my bottle of Promite and uh, enjoy it immensely. If Vegemite enters the house, it's just it just sits at the back of the, the laundry, uh, the laundry back of the pantry, um, from my perspective anyway. So I don't uh, think I've like, ever had Promite, Rob. You've never had Promite. You Don't need so. to go straight down to one of the local supermarkets and get yourself a bottle of Promite, I'm promising you. But we've got listeners right now who are debating that in the car. They're like, you know, it does, it divides a nation. We, we claim Vegemite to be our own, but there's a lot of us who, you know, we, we're proud of Vegemite, but we just like a little bit of Promite on the toast in the morning. I've got to tell you, you won't go back. Go and, go and, go and check it out. You won't regret it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to, maybe uh, when I see you next, Rob, you can bring me a Promote sandwich. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. On the, on the board's budget, we'll go down and have um, some Promote on toast at a hotel somewhere. So, yeah, all right. <laughs> we're, we're starting to go into zones that we shouldn't be because simply, Pam Taylor, thank you for joining us on Heart of the Bookkeeper. I really wanted to use this opportunity to celebrate a bookkeeping practice and we've got so many of them across Australia right now are kicking goals, but you've you've recently kicked a goal that just we had we really, really wanted to shout out. Congratulations to Green Space, the difficult journey you, you went on to get there and to now be able to celebrate that and to enjoy that. Um, thanks for joining us on Heart of the Bookkeeper. Uh, and I look forward to the next time we can enjoy some Promod on Toast. Um, Pam Taylor, thanks for joining us on Heart of the Bookkeeper. Thanks so much, Rob. And for any aspiring bookkeepers out there, back yourself, have confidence and find some people around you who will champion you because you can do it and it's the most rewarding career there could be. Thanks again, Rob. Beautiful. Well said, Pam. Thanks. Well, I have to say, I am still reeling from the whole Vegemite over Promite thing, Pam, but I guess, well, each to their own. Thank you for your open honesty in this episode, Pam, and for the way that you have both tackled and have now shared your challenges to get where you are today. We all wish Green Space Bookkeeping all the best as it continues to grow and expand in the years ahead. This has been Rob Marshall. Well done to you as the listener in this episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper. 
please come back again for our next episode as we continue to mine the hearts of amazing people doing amazing things every day here in Australia. And always remember, we love your heart. Listener.